what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. the brand of Harry and Meghan, and we're calling this episode a royal mess. (laughs) So I'm going to get started by asking Courtney a couple of questions. She is our resident Anglophile and royal watcher, um, so she knows a lot more than I do about the subject. And we're going to talk about what happened this week, but then we're going to go back to the beginning of Harry and Meghan, the very, very beginning, and talk about how they built their brands, how they ended up together, how that brand got started. Um, so today, Courtney, tell me a little bit about what happened this week. So I know that the anniversary of the Queen's death was on the 8th, and the Invictus Games were this week, and the Welch was this week. It's a lot of royal stuff. Mm-hmm. So kind of give me a little a little Reader's Digest about, about what we got going on and why it's, why it's important. Sure. So... This week was a very interesting week for the royals because traditionally this week on the royal calendar is when they kick back into gear. They take a long summer break, so there's always a lot of events planned. And it also happens to coincide this year with the first anniversary of Queen Elizabeth's death. So Harry was planning to be in England anyway because he would be hosting the Wellchild Awards, which is one of the organizations that he is a patron of still. And there was also announcements that while the king would be acknowledging the date of his accession privately, um, the prince and princess of Wales, so Prince William and Catherine, would be in Wales attending a memorial service. And And then we also knew that Prince Harry would be flying off to Germany to kick off the Invictus Games. So we knew that there would be a lot going on. There was never um, any mention of Prince Harry joining any of the royal family for any of these events. Everything would be kept separate. Wellchild and Invictus are considered private ventures of Prince Harry. They are no longer things that are connected with any sort of royal patronage. Um, And so what happened this week was pretty interesting. On the morning of the anniversary of the Queen's death, so Friday morning, September 8th, we got a paparazzi photo or rather a photo taken by a member of the public of Harry coming out of Windsor Castle. So what's the difference? What's the difference? um, The difference would be (laughs) – this is another tangent. Um, (laughs) There's a big difference in England. Quick tangent. (laughs) There's there's a big difference in England because technically members of the paparazzi – are really strictly regulated in England. And this is something that happened after the death of Princess Diana. Um, Members of the royal family are not photographed by the paparazzi, period. They call it the umbrella of privacy. A paparazzi photo of the royals cannot be sold to a tabloid. The tabloids will not purchase it. So when we see photos of the royals, what we are seeing is photos taken by the Royal Rota, which is like our press corps in the United States. We've got our White House press corps who follows the president, you know, goes on Air Force One, attends all of the president's different events here, there, and everywhere across the country. In the United Kingdom, they have the Royal Rota. So the Royal Rota consists of a few reporters from select newspapers and also one photographer, one pool photographer. And all of the papers and tabloids in the country share the write-ups and share the photos. I have a quick question then. Yes. So how 
how just in the past, and I know that we're going down a terrible tangent. We need to circle back, but how is it that um, Harry and Meghan end up on the front page of all the tabloids and the ones that they sued and blah, blah, blah. Like, so how did that happen? If they're, if their pictures are not sanctioned, I don't understand. So anytime we saw photos of Harry and Meghan on the front page of a newspaper with a positive or a negative headline, those were almost always um, Royal Rota photos. They were pool photos. So they were photos that were taken while they were at official engagements. They were not paparazzi photos. They were, if you take a look at all those pictures, you know, you can tell they're always working, right? They're not in jeans and a t-shirt. They're not out running errands. They are at an, an official engagement. So any photos we have typically seen of Harry and Meghan have been sanctioned photos taken by the Rhoda. What you're telling me is that the photos are sanctioned, but the stories are not necessarily sanctioned. Yeah, essentially. So the tabloids can then take those photos and use those photos to write a story about whatever. You know, same as if an American tabloid, you know, they go on Getty Images or something, they buy the rights to use a photo, they write their story, and they just use a stock image. So the photos that are in the Rota pool become part of the stock image collection that is on Getty, it's on Press Association, and the various publications use those photos. Now, going back to the private um, sort of one-year memorialization of Queen Elizabeth mm-hmm. II, Harry's there. Somehow paparazzi gets a picture of him, but nobody else? Yes. So a number of members of the royal family had attended church services across the UK, Um Only the Prince and Princess of Wales had a public service that was pre-announced and it was an official engagement and they were at St. David's Cathedral in Wales. Other members of the royal family, including Prince Andrew um, and the Duke of Edinburgh, who is Prince Edward, the Queen's youngest son, um, they attended a private memorial service at Windsor Castle. It's believed that Princesses Beatrice and Eugenie also attended services um, and Harry was the only member of the royal family to be photographed. It was said that the photograph was taken by a member of the public who happened to be standing outside St. George's Cathedral at Windsor Castle, which is not necessarily that far-fetched. It was anticipated that some members of the royal family may be attending a church service there that morning. And it was also very widely assumed that the public would gather there in remembrance of the queen. So it's not strange that a member of the public was there. It's just interesting that no other member of the royal family was caught on camera except for Prince Harry. And it's your opinion that this was deliberate? It seems like it might have been, especially because there was only one photo. There's one photo from one angle, so it was taken by one person. It's not as if a hundred people got a shot of him. And there's no, there hasn't been a way yet, you know, all the people on Twitter and all of those places, Instagram, where people are really paying attention to the royals, they've been saying, well, where did the photo come from? Who's the member of the public? Nobody seems to have posted it on a personal Twitter account or a personal Instagram account. It seems like this photo was taken and then specifically sent to a member of the press um, or specifically sent to one particular news outlet, whoever was the first one to publish it, which I think it might have been the Daily Mail, but I'm not 100% certain. Just seems a little bit odd that there was no other photo taken. So it does seem like it may have been a deliberate photo that was taken 
perhaps by someone on Harry's team that was then sent to the press to say, hey, look, he was at Windsor Castle this morning as well. The photo was released right around the same time that the official photos of William and Catherine at St. David's in Wales were coming out and as they were undertaking their official engagement. And then we get this paparazzi, or I'm sorry, this member of the public photo of Harry walking out of um, St. George's. So just a little bit interesting and not something that is very odd in the grand scheme of how we've been seeing things play out between the Sussexes, so Harry and Meghan and the rest of the royal family over the course of the last three years. So, okay, so that was the eighth. And then his mm-hmm. Invictus Games got started this weekend, right? Yes. Okay. So Prince Harry, to his credit, he did an amazing job founding the Invictus Games um, when he was still a member of the royal family. He spearheaded it. It is, for anybody who is unaware, it's an event that is similar to the um, Wounded Warrior Games here in the U.S. And he started the Invictus Games, which is a global competitive sporting event that is for injured military veterans. Um, And they compete in a bunch of different athletic categories, swimming, running, um, wrestling. There's It's like a mini Olympics, basically. And he has done an incredible job of creating this event, of promoting this event. So like kudos to him for that. Yeah. To his credit, it's been really successful. Yeah, for sure. And the Invictus Games 2023 kicked off this weekend in Germany. So Harry... As we just mentioned, he was already in England. He hosted the Wellchild Awards on Thursday night. He was at um, Windsor Castle Friday morning. Then he flew off to Germany for the start of the Invictus Games. Where Megan would be joining him, right? She's been doing something. and She was supposed to join him. And at the very last minute, it was reported she would no longer be attending. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, I- I don't feel like I read that. I mean, I keep up pretty well and I don't I don't remember seeing that. Was that when did that come out? Like Friday? Yeah, it came out Friday afternoon, I think that Megan would no longer be at maybe it was Thursday. Um, but pretty pretty late in the game that Megan would no longer be attending. Um, she had been anticipated to I believe she was going to be giving the closing remark. Um, and her name has been replaced on the program of events with somebody else. And some stories started coming out yesterday that she had a lot of like her rider, you know how celebrities have their rider of, you know, I need this, this and that backstage or whatever the case is. Her rider was a little bit ridiculous. And so it was announced at the very last minute that she would be staying home in California rather than attending the event. Hold on. Can I explore that for just a second? So that would be like when a celebrity says, I need only Evian water and I want, you know, five people doing manicures at the same Mm -hmm. time and that type of stuff. But this is her husband's initiative. So why would Mm -hmm. she have riders beyond what he probably already has in place? Uh, My guess would be because she is the wife of the founder of Invictus Games. I don't know that she has any formal role with the organization. However, she was slated to be giving the closing remarks, so she was going to be a part of the ceremony. There is that thought that when Megan shows up somewhere, there's a lot of press on that event. So, you know, she may have had some requests about her (laughs) attendance that – perhaps might have been reasonable to some extent, and then some of them were deemed ridiculous, if if it's true. 
Yes. Right, right. So we don't we don't know that. That's just um, you know, gossip yes. at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So Invictus game started and but I think that the thing that we're getting to is that something happened with Prince William and um are the Prince of Wales and the Princess of Wales. They call her the Princess of Wales, right, Catherine? Yes. She's now the yeah. Princess of Wales. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, over the weekend that kind of usurped Harry's position in the press with Invictus. What happened? Yes. So um, if we take a look at Friday, we've got William and Catherine having an official event at the church in Wales and Harry showing up and getting a photo walking out of Windsor Castle. Okay, cool. Looks a little suspicious. That's been happening a lot where a royal event takes place and the Sussex, Sussexes suddenly have – they're showing up at a paparazzi photo or they are you know, showing up at an event of their own. Um, the royals are very, very careful to ensure that their calendars do not clash. The general idea is that all of the households, which are – their offices are called households. All of the households work together so that there's no huge event that's going to overshadow somebody else's huge event. And this takes a lot of coordination. There's a ton of stuff happening on the royal calendar. So that is something that the royals are very mindful of. And in the past, at the start of Invictus, no, there is a possibility that not a single other working royal would have had an event at the start of the Invictus Games while Harry was still a working royal. And even actually for the last few years, it, you know, it was canceled due to COVID a couple times. Um, but they've been mindful that this is a big event and we don't want to overshadow our own initiatives. However, <laughs> this weekend also happens to kick off the World Rugby or the Rugby World Cup. Um, so that's a really big event in the royal sphere because um, – the Prince and Princess of Wales are each a patron of one of the rugby countries. Um, Catherine is the patron of the English rugby team. Um, William is the patron of the Welsh rugby team. And Princess Anne, the Princess Royal, who is um, the Queen's only daughter and William's aunt, is the patron of the Scottish rugby team. So there is a, you know, a big event happening in the royal world, and then there is Invictus happening. So these two events coinciding would have usually been very carefully navigated. Um, we knew that William and Catherine would be attending. They would be flying over to France to attend the first games for their respective countries. Catherine was photographed yesterday um, in France watching the English team take on, I think they played Argentina yesterday. Um, and I believe William's team, the Welsh team is playing today. So we knew that was going to happen. We knew we'd see some photos of them at the games. We knew they would be attending. What we did not know is that William, Catherine, and Princess Anne recorded an episode of a podcast, um, The Good, The Bad, and The Rugby, which is hosted by Princess Anne's son-in-law, Mike Tyndall, who is a famous um, rugby player. He's retired now. He's married to Zara, who is Princess Anne's daughter. Uh, he is very – Zara and Mike are very, very good friends with the Waleses. Their children are around the same age and they play together. We often see them photographed at private events together, you know, different family outings. They just take the kids to like an amusement park or they take the kids to a polo match or something like that. We see them together a lot. So we know that um, William and Mike are good friends and Catherine is good friends with them as well. So we did not know that this podcast was going to be launched yesterday, 
during. I guess it was a video cast, right? Because we saw, yes. I, I watched it. So yeah, it was a video. They recorded it. Um, they recorded it at Windsor Castle. Um, and it was a surprise when it launched. It was, it was huge. It made waves. P- Royal watchers were freaking out yesterday. Um, the reporters, I believe there had been an embargoed notice. So the Royal reporters knew that the episode was going to be launched. Um, like maybe a couple hours before it actually happened just so that they could get a quick little write-up. But it was a live premiere um, that started yesterday. I'm on the East Coast in the United States, so I think it was like maybe around noon yesterday when it started premiering. Um, And that in the past would have been an absolute no-go. They never would have done something that that spotlight stealing, if you will, to another one of the members of the royal family who had a huge event coming up. Invictus used to be considered one of the biggest events on the royal calendar. Um, And so the fact that they dropped that surprise episode on the day that Harry was giving the opening remarks at the Invictus opening ceremonies was just – it was kind of wild in the royal world and especially because – while we have seen the Sussexes do that to the royal family over the last few years, anytime there's a royal event, we get an announcement from the Sussexes or we get some paparazzi photos or we get them popping up at a social event or something like that. We have never seen the royals kind of hit back in that way. We've never seen them try to overshadow something that they knew was coming up um, because the royals do go by their never complain, never explain. You know, they don't want the drama. Um so that was quite a statement from my perspective. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to stop you right there because I think we just want to kind of give sort of a, a, a roundup of where we are right now in the royal world with mm-hmm. the Sussexes and the Waleses. Do you say Waleses? That sounds weird, yeah. right? Yeah, the Waleses. Uh, Waleses. Waleses. Uh, <laughs> they are clearly not um, in a good place together. Mm-hmm. So um, what we want to talk about now is, all right, we see where we are. They're not in a good place. Harry and Meghan, it seems like, are not in a good place. Um, mm-hmm. Harry's brand is not in a good place. Meghan's brand is not in a good place. So I want to circle back to the very beginning and talk about Harry and Meghan and kind of their sort of childhood uh, evolution, especially Harry, I think, because he was, you know, we've known Harry his whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Megan and then, and then kind of keep going from there, because I think it's very interesting that if you, if you look back, if you're as old as I am, you look back, you remember these kids were best friends, William and Harry, or you thought they were mm-hmm. um, growing up. They were very close, all of that. And that there appears to be a, an extreme Royal rift, um, now, so let's circle back to the beginning and talk a little bit about Harry, um, as a kid and, um, Diana and all that kind of stuff. So let's circle back there. Okay. So let's go way back to the mid eighties. Um, <laughs> Prince Harry is born. He that is was my decade. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I was born in the late, the late eighties, you know, 1987. Over I, mean, I was partying in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was a good time for all, no matter, no matter what age. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Prince Harry is born and he is third in line to the throne after his father and his brother. Um, he is the much longed for spare, as it were, um, 
in which is better- really a terrible name for it, the heir and the spare. Really, I, I hate that for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it, they've been using that phrase since like medieval times, um, <laughs> and it was you know the thing of it is back back in the olden days it was a necessity, right? You had to insure the line, and to do that, you needed to have an heir and a spare, especially during times where kids didn't necessarily make it to adulthood or there was wars happening all the time. Um, And so it used to be a requirement that the consort needed to produce an heir and a spare. Um, The title has jokingly stayed on. Prince Andrew had to deal with it. Prince Harry had to deal with it. Um, But being the spare comes with an interesting amount of critique and criticisms and pressure that the heir also has to deal with, but in a much different way. Um, So So what do you mean by that? So Prince Harry has always had a bit of a tricky relationship with the UK press. Um, And also, I mean, with the American press as well. He is the younger brother of Prince William. Prince William, I remember growing up, he was like on the cover of Teen Beat and all of those magazines as like the heartthrob of the world. You know, Prince William and Prince Harry have very different personalities as well. And that is something that the press takes notice of. Prince William, just by nature, is a little bit more reserved. He's a little bit more cautious. Um, and Prince Harry has that typical, you know, younger younger child, wild side. He's been – Brash. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit more brash. He's a little bit more outgoing. He's the one who – you know, you would see him and William and Catherine on engagements together because for a while they were a trio. They did a lot of their stuff together. And him and Catherine would be like telling jokes and laughing in the background and Prince William would be up front, you know, being really serious and just a little bit more reserved. They just, you know, they just naturally have different personalities. Um, but part of what happens in the press in the UK is that – William has the position of being the heir to the throne, right? He is the future monarch. And so there is a huge duty of care to protect his reputation. So there are agreements in place that things don't get reported or things get covered up or the palace is always offered, no matter what, no matter who it is, the palace is always offered the opportunity to comment on something. And so there has been speculation over the years, especially during their teenage years, that if William did something inappropriate or incorrect, the story would be covered up by the folks who worked at the palace handing over a story about Harry instead. So, Oh, no way. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Well, and maybe I read that in spare. Yeah. So that's one of the things that Harry claims. We don't know if it's true. <laughs> We have no way of knowing how true it is. Reporters, the royal reporters say, no, that's absolutely not true. We report what we know. Um, and Harry's saying, like, no, they threw me under the bus constantly to protect William or to protect my father from any sort of negative press. I um, want to interrupt you just for just a hot second. I want to talk just for a second about when Harry was little before we get into these teenage years because mm-hmm. I read Spare and I think you did too. Um And according to Harry, he always had this kind of massive anxiety. And I think obviously associated with his mother's death. Um, And then he went to, um, I guess he went to Eton, just like Mm -hmm. William did. They both went to Eton, right? Yeah. Um, Which is a very exclusive um, boarding school 
you know, in England or whatever. And I went to boarding school, so I know what that's like, although um, mine was girls and not boys. But anyway, um, <laughs> and he asserted that at boarding school, he had all this kind of anxiety and that William really, uh, really wasn't there for him, um, that they were not close when they were at boarding school, that they kind of had more of a separation than people realized. Uh, have you read that? Did you Do you remember reading that in Spare? Yeah. So I do remember that Harry – you know, a couple times he has indicated that maybe we were fed this version of his childhood that he doesn't necessarily agree with being accurate. And one of those things is that, you know, him and William were very close and that William was always his protector. Um, one of the interesting things about Harry's stance on all of this is how reliable of a narrator is Harry about his own story. In Spare... Oh. He literally says at one point that he doesn't necessarily remember the specific details of an occasion or when it happened or who was there or where it happened because the truth – because his truth is enough to be considered the truth. Um, he says that in Spare and it's very interesting because he's almost saying – listen, I'm going to tell you a story and you have to believe me that it's true, even though I can't provide any actual details <laughs> about it. <laughs> and I may, and he says at one point, like, you know, I may get the details wrong, but it's still true. And it's like, no, <laughs> like well, that so, makes it not true. <laughs> yeah. So I think Stephen Colbert calls that truthy. So, yeah. you know, there's a little truthiness to that. Um, I think it was Stephen Colbert that coined that phrase, but um, I know in Spare that, um, you know, I was so sad when I read that book, like so sad for him. I lost my dad when I was really young. So I kind of can identify with losing a parent and what, what you kind of go through and the, all the issues that come along with it. And then I went to boarding school, so I can identify on so many levels with him. But he seems to, at now I guess he's he must be 40 or 39, um, he seems to still be in the thick of that. Like he, yeah. he seems to still sit in that grief and sit in that anxiety um, mm -hmm. that should have been resolved, you know, and he, they talk about mental health all the time The you know, him and Catherine and William, you know, have a whole, I guess it's heads up, have a whole, you know, um, strategy on, on mental health for people his age, whatever. But it seems like he's not either he has not worked through all that stuff or he continues to revisit it. And that made me so sad because they're, you know, for, I mean, everybody grieves at their own pace, but I mean, it's been 30, 30 years, um, you know, or close to 30 years. I think 97 was when she died. Yeah. Um, so I felt, I felt like spare was really, really sad. And if even half of what he said in spare was true. Let's just say fifty percent was more than truthy. Um, <laughs> it it's sad. It's sad to me. You know, it made him vulnerable. That's what it did. It made Harry vulnerable, and I still believe him to be vulnerable. So anyway, um, I just kind of wanted to put that out there. That like, you know, no matter what, I think Harry is a very vulnerable person, just in general. I'm not saying he doesn't take advantage of opportunities and all that, and we'll get into that, but I do think he's a vulnerable person and vulnerable to people who could dominate him. Yes, for sure. Um, I think one of the things about Harry is he's always had a chip on his shoulder, right? He was born the spare. He, growing up, you know, he, him and William, I, I think for the most part, 
I'm going to back up a little bit. I think that Princess Diana and Prince Charles did do what they could to give those kids as normal of a life as possible. I think where they did Harry a huge disservice is that they let Harry think you can be normal, you can have a normal life, you and your brother are equals right now, right? They they tried to give them this upbringing where, you know, they were brothers first and they were members of the royal family second and William's position as the future king was the third most important thing. And on the face of that, it makes a lot of sense. I think as an adult, that's really backfired for Harry because what has happened is Harry grew up thinking, I am equal to my brother. And like as a person, yeah, of course, right? Like no person is better than another person. But from the perspective of their jobs as members of the royal family, they are not equal in any sense of the word. The Like William's role as the heir and the future king is the most important thing. And I think that they did Harry a big disservice in never helping him to understand that when he was a child. You know, like he grew up just thinking like, my brother's going to be king, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm always going to be his brother and we're always going to be the same. And now he's almost 40 years old still thinking that. Um, And it's like, no, dude, like your brother's the future king of the United Kingdom. (laughs) You guys are not the same. This is not the same level anymore. Um, And so I think that was in Harry's childhood and, you know, examining his whole life from the outside, which who really has the right to do that? Nobody, but we're going to anyway. Um, <laughs> well, we're I talking think, about brands. We're not really talking yeah. about people. I mean, we're giving some background, but really for us, it's what happened to the Harry and Meghan brand. It's just yeah. taking us some time to get there. So everybody has yeah. the backstory. So. Yeah, I think that you, I think you need the context of what happened with Harry's brand is that he started off not knowing what his brand was, essentially, right? That's <laughs> the that. biggest – that's, I think, his biggest problem. He was done this disservice thinking that he was equal to the heir to the throne in terms of what his job would be. And I think as we go through this conversation about Harry and Meghan and their brand, that is something that is very important to keep in mind is that they are not Harry and Meghan regular people. Members of the royal family are doing a job. They are paid by the taxpayers. We don't have to get into how they're paid. It's a very convoluted thing. I could I could do a whole separate series on it. <laughs> um, but they are essentially paid by the taxpayers to do a job. The company, the family, they have their family moments. You know, they they have family dynamics just like anybody does. But their family is a corporation, essentially. The monarch is the CEO. The monarch has an office around them of a a board of trustees. The heir is the senior executive, vice president, whatever. Um, The family dynamic gets taken out of the job of being a working member of the royal family. And I think that is something that Meghan and Harry could not grasp And for Megan's part of it all, she could not grasp it because it is such a strange concept, you know, to like separate your family from your job when your family is your job. Like it's a really weird thing to do. And I think they just couldn't, they just couldn't get it. They just couldn't live with that 
level of separation. Um, and I think that's what really causes what we see happen later down the line. All right. So let's circle back. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about, um, so we have this really tricky relationship with the UK press. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever William was in trouble, they put the story out about Harry. And I think he talked about that in spare quite a bit Yeah, that when he would get in trouble, when they would both get in trouble, he would be the one that was dinged for it. Yes. Um, and he seemed to, he seems to have a very complicated relationship with his father, as many 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 sons and fathers and daughters and mothers and et cetera have complicated relationships. So that's not unusual. But what adds a layer of complexity is the fact that his father, who is now king, you know, it, again, what you're talking about. There's the corporation, the firm, and mm-hmm. then there's the the father. So right. um, so as a, as a teen, you talk about the fact that he gets caught doing almost everything that he's ever done wrong. He gets, he gets busted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and honestly, like if there had been social media when I was a teenager, I mean, I'd still be, I'd still be under the jail probably. Um, so <laughs> there's just no doubt that we don't all want our lives to be scrutinized as carefully as his life has been scrutinized. So I do want to, you know, put that out there that, and of course here we are scrutinizing again, but again, it's the brand. Um, <laughs> But as a teen, he gets caught drinking and smoking. And then he does, um, gosh, was he in high school when he went to that costume party or was it college? They were were in their 20s when he decided that it would be funny to dress as a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I was going to forgive him a little bit. I think I read that in spare, but I was going to forgive him a little bit because he was a teenager. But I I can't, that's, um, I, I just, that is the height of idiocy to to do something like that in your 20s you should have the maturity to know that that no matter what no matter what the context that you can't do that um yeah i mean i think my five-year-old would know not to do that (laughs) definitely Uh my 13 year old boy knows not to do that who by the way is also a ginger so we talk about that (laughs) all the time um you know he would never he would never do anything as scandalous as that. But anyway, so then, yeah. so he get caught. He gets caught doing that. I mean, that was everywhere. That went all over the press. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really vilified for that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I guess William and Kate were dating at the time when that happened, right? They weren't married yes. yet. They were still, yeah, dating. they were they were dating. They were still at university at St Andrews. And then, how old was he when he went to Las Vegas? And wandered around naked, I guess. <laughs> uh, he was in his 20s as well. I believe he was like around 25. Yeah, he was like in his mid-20s. Again, like, dude, how did you not know there were going to be cameras there? Like, Yeah. This is a man who, you know, he has grown up with his whole um, – his whole life has been filmed essentially. There's been a camera in his face forever. He, he was actually – I just – Double, I double checked my math. He was 28 when that happened. <laughs> he was almost 30 when that happened. Can um, you imagine like just running around naked at 28 and being like, yeah, it's cool. I'm, no, I'm, no, I can't. I'm 28. It's good. Um, Don't worry about a, it. You are a full grown adult at that point. Um, <laughs> Nothing to see here. And, you yeah. know, he, this is someone who he has been battling with the press. We have, you know, we've got photos of Harry coming out of nightclubs and trying to grab the camera from the paparazzo or trying to like push the paparazzi person. Um, knowing, by the way, he does this knowing that those pictures can't even be used because 
again, we go back to that umbrella of privacy that the members of the royal family have where the press does not publish paparazzi photos of them. So he's attacking people taking his picture knowing they can't even use the picture. And of course, that then turns into a story where then the pictures can be used because now we've got a story about Prince Harry trying to punch a paparazzo and they use that photo as proof that it happened. Um, So really just, you know, sticking his foot in it in these instances. But he is someone who definitely knows that there is a camera on him anywhere he goes. And even if he does not see the camera, he's got to know. It's 2012 at this point, everybody's got an iPhone. Like he's got to know somebody's going to take a picture um, and try to sell it. And he was in the United States where our tabloid press and our paparazzis, uh, paparazzos do not follow the umbrella of privacy that he is afforded in the UK. So- and it you was know. Vegas. Come on. Yeah. Like the whole thing was just ridiculous of him. Um, and the palace what? brushed it under the rug for him, you know, like they tried to make it go away and everybody laughs off. Oh, ha ha ha. You know, like party prince. He's such a fun loving guy. Let him blow off some steam. This was right. Um, it was either right before or right after he had come back from Afghanistan. So they kind of, you know, was like, oh, he's just blowing off steam from being in the military this whole time, whatever. Did he ret- was he retired by then, by 28? Was he out of the military? Um, He retired I, I just after the London Olympics, I believe, or maybe just – so right around 2012. Is when that would have been 2012, yeah. Yeah, so right um, around then. So quick note about his military career. I kind of felt sorry for him. And if 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 everything he wrote in spares to believe be believed, um, because they kept him in a bubble in Iraq. Um, or Af- I guess he was in Afghanistan. It was Afghanistan, he? yeah. It was yeah, Afghanistan. he was in Afghanistan. Um, they kept him in a bubble because there was so, so much attention focused on the fact that he was in the military and he was in Afghanistan, that it actually endangered the lives of multiple militaries from other countries too, Mm -hmm. because people wanted to kill him so much, which that's a terrible burden for him. Also a terrible burden for his leaders. Um, And I, I think that that is one of the reasons he ended up retiring, I think, because it was just, it was too much and he couldn't really serve the way he wanted to serve. I think he truly wanted to serve. I think that Harry, in my opinion, would have been a wonderful soldier had he been able to have a cloak of anonymity while in the military. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I think that Harry's military life is a really interesting point in his brand. Um, The palace really pumped up the hero Harry persona. We were always getting photos of him in his uniform. He started doing a lot of his work with veterans and mental health, um, which is still carrying on today. That's where Invictus came from. Um, And when he retired from the military, which was in 2015, actually, so a couple years after uh, London Olympics, um, he retired from the military. And at that time, he retired because he – made the decision to become a full-time member, a full-time working member of the royal family. William and Harry were granted as grandchildren of the monarch. They were granted a lot of leeway with when they had to become full-time royals. Um because, you know, they like they weren't next in line. They they still had to get through their father's reign. Um so they started becoming full-time working royals a little bit later in life than we'd previously seen in the prior generation. Um 
And Harry decided that 2015 was when he was going to become a full-time member, a full-time working member of the royal family. I think this decision was made because, and this is something that the dynamic of the family has been dealing with for a while, there are not a lot of working royals anymore. The queen was getting older. His father was getting older. And it was at a point where it was like, okay, if the queen passes today, who's here to take on this job that we do? Um, the royals collectively during the queen's reign um, and during when Prince Philip was alive, the royals collectively undertook about 4,000 engagements per year um, with a pretty small number of people doing that work. And a lot of those people are now in their 70s or older. I mean, Prince Charles or the king <laughs> is 70 something years old. He is not a spring chicken. Um, and at the time, his mother and father were in their 80s and 90s. Um, Princess Alexandra, the Duke of Kent, the Duke of Gloucester, who are the queen's cousins who were working royals, they were in their 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, so Prince Harry kind of at that time, he had to step up because the working population of royals <laughs> was not – they were not able to undertake the quantity of work that had been undertaken in the past. And again, the royal family is a company that answers to the taxpayers and they are expected to undertake a certain number of obligations on behalf of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. So I don't know – how much of that decision was made for him versus was a decision that he wholeheartedly made on his own. But I think you're right. His military career was, he was not able to have the career that he really wanted, where he wanted to be with his men on the ground fighting um, for, you know, freedom and liberty around the world. He was not able to do that because it was too much of a risk to other people to have him there, right. not right. just the risk to himself. It was too risky to everybody else. And so he and took I think he back. felt that. I mean, he's a very empathic person. Um, so he or empathetic. I think he's an empath. Um, so I think he felt that. I think he knew that. Um, but I bet that it was a bitter pill to swallow when he had to retire and then move into um, the working royal life. Uh, and it seemed like when he did that, when he retired and when he moved in, he he just immediately was stuck to Prince William and um, Princess Catherine like glue from the from the very beginning during that time in his life. Yeah. So the interesting thing about that is when Harry, he retired from the military and there was talk about, you know, what what's he going to do now? Because he's now he's a full time working royal, but he hasn't been a working royal this whole time. So what's the deal going to be? There was speculation that he would be undertaking a role working with the military in a ceremonial capacity. So essentially preparing for the time when William is king and there's still all of these ceremonial things that happen because the Brits are known for nothing if not their outstanding pomp and circumstance, right? Every single thing they do is just a spectacle and all of that spectacle involves the military. And so there was this thought that Harry would still be involved with the military in some way. The way, and this is going back to something I mentioned earlier about offices and households. Um, when William and Harry were younger, they were under their father's household. At the time, Prince Charles was based out of um, St. James Palace. 
then he was based out of Clarence House and William and Harry's work life and their financial um, funding came from Clarence House. It came from his father. They worked under his father's office, essentially. They were employees of his father. Um, when William and Harry were in their, I think around like their 20s, early 20s, they founded the Royal Foundation of Prince William and Prince Harry. And so they kind of broke off from their father a little bit and they started their own charitable foundation where they would be able to fund projects on their own, separate from Clarence House and also separate from the Prince's Trust, which is Prince well, the King's um, charity that he founded in the 70s, which has done incredible, amazing, outstanding work. And that is a whole separate topic. But Google the Prince's Trust and see the amazing things that the king has been doing since the 70s in terms of like charitable giving and different initiatives. Um, and so a lot of them environmental, right? Yes. Tons of environmental stuff. I mean, yeah. the king was at the forefront of believing that climate change was a thing, believing that organic food was important. Um, you know, going back to farming and agriculture as something that needed to really be protected. Um, he's done a lot of amazing things in that realm. So definitely go Google the Prince's Trust. Um, he's also done a lot of work with young people and helping young people become entrepreneurs and found companies and getting people to be kind of um, self-sustaining in terms of understanding that, you know, you don't have to just go find a company to work for. You can start your own business if you want and helping people get the tools to do that. Um, so the King has done a lot of amazing stuff that probably because it's been over the span of such a long time isn't really like adequately accounted for in people's memory because, you know, it's a 40-year project. Um, it's not happening all at once, but it's really incredible. Um, and so Harry and William founded the Royal Foundation of Prince William and Prince Harry, and they were they wanted to do something very similar to what their father had started, and that was wonderful. And so they started working still under Clarence House. Their offices were at Clarence House, but they started getting a little bit more um, autonomy in what they were able to choose to do and what they could fund themselves. The foundation and their staff were still funded by Clarence House. Their money is still coming from the monarch. Clarence House is still funded by um, Buckingham Palace. You know, like all of this money is coming from somewhere. Um, Prince Charles at the time was also the Duke of Cornwall. Um, the Duchy of Cornwall is a whole other podcast, but essentially at the – They have their own money too, right? Yeah. So the Duchy of Cornwall is a private source of income for the heir to the throne. Um, and Prince – at the time, Prince Charles ran it from – you know, it was like a few million dollars a year to now I think it makes like, – it brings in like a billion dollars a year. Um, <laughs> so – Prince Prince Charles was doing very well for himself as the Duke of Cornwall. Actually, when he became king, he inherited the Duchy of Lancaster, which is the private source of income for the monarch. And again, this is all much more complicated than I'm making it sound, but just for the sake of as brief as it could possibly be, um, the Duchy of Lancaster. And the Duchy of Cornwall brings in more money than the Duchy of Lancaster does. <laughs> um, so technically right now, Prince William is has far more wealth than his father does as the Prince of Wales versus the King. Um, but anyway, so Prince William and Prince Harry, they found that's this another podcast for another time, please. Yeah. That's a whole, yeah. a whole separate thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But Prince William and Prince Harry, they found this royal foundation and they start undertaking their own initiatives and they start funding their own initiatives. And it's really successful. They are carving a way and, you know, carving their path forward together. Um, They're focusing a lot on mental health. William is focusing a lot on homelessness. Harry is focusing on veterans issues. They're both focusing on conservation issues. So they're doing this together. They've got their own little pet projects on the side, but they are doing this together. And together, the two of them make a huge impact. This is when Harry starts breaking out of his like party prince persona and even outside of the hero Harry persona as like, you know, the military veteran. And it's like, okay, this is Prince Harry. This is what we are going to see as, you know, his big lasting contribution to history, right? These are people who everything they do is going to be looked at 100, 200, 300 years from now, um, which is like a crazy burden to think about actually. Imagine if what we're doing right now, people are talking about in 200 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, my goodness. I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I'm hopeful we'll be successful, but <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be talking about it in in 50 years right. so, or 20 years. I don't know. Right. Maybe. And so these um, two young men are carving this path and they are forming this joint brand where they're going to make an impact. Like they are going to make a huge difference in the world on a global scale, not just within England, not just within the United Kingdom, on a global scale because they have the star power. They have the resources. They have, you know, the charisma for it. Um, And so we start to see with the foundation forming and – Um, With Harry retiring from the military, we start to see this brand of Prince Harry forming. And it's just looking like it's going to be incredible. Right. So I'm going to step in there because I remember when they started Heads Together for Mental Health. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I love their work. um, I love Harry's work with the veterans and their homelessness work. But for me personally, the Heads Together work was when I really started to take him seriously and really started to kind of, you know, William and Catherine were more on my radar because mental health um, has been such a big focus in my family. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is so, my mom's a psychiatric nurse. So it was like, wow, this is so great. I'm so glad to see that they're bringing this to the forefront because if you look traditionally at how people approach mental health, they just don't approach mental health. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was so that was when I started to take him seriously, which had to have been like around 2013, 2014, I guess, right around the time um, he founded the Invictus Games. So it was, pro- it was a little later than that. It was after he had retired from the military. So May 2016, the the, the royal trio of William, Catherine, and Harry form or announce the launch of Heads Together, their their flagship mental health program. Um, the interesting thing about Heads Together that Prince Harry actually is the one who made this public is that that was Kate's baby. That's Kate's brainchild. Um, Catherine, upon joining the royal family, she focused a lot on addiction issues mental health issues, and childhood issues. She has a really big project right now, the Early Years Foundation. She launched the first five years. She's very interested in how everyone's early childhood shapes their adult life in terms of mental health issues and addiction issues and homelessness. So she's kind of like tying all of that stuff that William and Harry are working on. She adds this other component of the early years and addiction into it as part of the foundation. 
when William and Catherine get married, the foundation gets a rebrand. The foundation is now the Royal Foundation of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Prince Harry. The title was way too long. I don't know why they didn't just shorten it to something else. (laughs) Um, But William's marriage to Catherine creates a shift in the brand of Prince Harry because it had previously been William and Harry dynamic duo. Then we see Catherine, and Catherine had been on the scene. Her and William got married. They had been together for like eight years by the time they got married. Harry and Catherine have been very good friends this whole time. He adores her. He has said publicly, you know, that's the sister he never had. Um, The two of them, when they are on royal engagements together, because the three of them were trotted out together a lot um, as a trio, Catherine and Harry just looked like they were having the best time. Like <laughs> they just look like it's like that's who I want to hang out with if I'm I'm with them. William looks very serious, looks a little bit uncomfortable, rather formal, and you just see Harry and Kate giggling in the background. And you see this on their engagements, you see this when they're doing balcony photos, you see this when they're at church, like anytime the two of them are together. Harry and Kate are just like giggling up a storm like little kids in the background. It's really if you go back and look at those pictures, it's really fun to see. Um, And so you see the group. You see the brand has now shifted. It's no longer Harry and his brother. It's Harry and his brother and his brother's wife. Um, And that dynamic goes on for a while. Um, William and Catherine got married in 2011, I think, or 2012. Yes, I was watching it at 4 a.m. with my daughter. Me too. Me too. Um, not with my daughter. I didn't, I don't have a daughter and I didn't at the time, um, <laughs> but I was watching it before I went to work that day and I had a little tea party for myself and it was wonderful. We wore but, tiaras and I dressed Eden up like a princess and it was uh, wonderful. So fun. It was so cute. It was so cute. She was like uh, four. Oh, <laughs> that's so fun. Um, but yeah, so you see this shift and like that was 2000, 2011, 2012. Harry didn't get married until 2018. So that is a seven-year span where we've got this trio who they're out together on official engagements. They're running this foundation together. Their work is really interconnected, um, and they're doing things separately, but they're doing it as a group as well. And that kind of ties into the longer vision of what the royal family's workload is going to look like. But essentially, that's the start of a little bit of a shift for Harry because – okay, it's not just me and my brother anymore. Now there's a third person in the picture and I adore this third person that's in the picture. But the older the queen gets, the more important, not, I don't want to say the more important Prince Charles became, but Prince Charles started to have a much larger say in the active running of the family. And at the same time, William, who is now the Duke of Cambridge and Harry is just still Prince Harry, but William is the Duke of Cambridge. William starts taking on some of the responsibility of the Duchy of Cornwall because he is going to one day be the Prince of Wales. And so there starts this shift where Charles is more focused on what happens when he becomes king. William is more focused on what happens when he becomes Prince of Wales and then later when he becomes king. And Harry is just there. He doesn't have, he's, you know, he's dated, um, he was dating Chelsea Davey. They were on and off for years and then they finally broke up for good. He was dating Cressida Bonus. She didn't want the royal life. Reportedly, she could not stand his 
outbursts and mood swings and his like vile hatred of the press slash she didn't enjoy the press attention that she was getting as a royal girlfriend. So she breaks up with him. Um, He dated some actresses, some models, some singers, you know, kind of in that very socialite realm of people where he's, you know, he's a prince. He's been socializing with celebrities and socialites his whole life. And that was his dating pool, essentially. Um, And so Harry kind of starts to flounder a little bit. We see some interviews where he talks about how he is, quote, desperate to get married. This is after he had just broken up with Cressida. And he said in one interview he was really ready to settle down and have kids. This was in 2015. He he said something about like, you know, if anybody will have me. Because he started to almost give off this air of like, I just need to settle down. You know, when people, you know, they say something. Yeah, like people hit a certain age and they're like, I just need to get to that next step of my life. And he's watching, you know, his brother and his wife have now had kids and they're he's, you know, trying to be the fun uncle and all of that stuff. And he's watching everyone's life kind of move forward and he's feeling like he's stuck or it appears from the outside, like he's not moving forward in the same trajectory. And this is also when his life starts to split off from Williams where they've always been a duo and they've grown up together and they grew up with their parents saying, you know, let's try to give you a normal life. You guys are brothers first, blah, 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 which is true. But now there's a split where Williams taking on these bigger roles where William is getting more involved in the duchy of Cornwall. He's getting more involved in attending these meetings of, you know, heads of state and that type of thing. And Harry, is still just doing regular royal engagements. You know, he he started the Invictus Games, huge global success, but not a head of state type of event, if you know what I'm saying. You know, there's a big difference there in leading a country versus leading a charity event. So we see this kind of divergence start to happen in the brand of Harry. Harry and and William, as it were. And I think he felt marginalized. It seems very much like he felt marginalized. And so instead of figuring out like, what can I do to be successful in my own right? He decides, okay, I need to find someone to share my life with. Um, Um, Feels like. I think my perspective on that is that he, during this time, he started to have this feeling of why can't I have what he's having? The chip that he'd kind of always had on his shoulder starts growing because he is now seeing that, you know, if he wants to do something and William's got something in the calendar, his thing is going to get pushed back. Or if him and William both want to do a project, they each have their own independent project, William's going to get more money to do his project, whereas Harry's not. Or William's going to get a bigger staff to handle it and Harry's not. Um, And so I think the chip on his shoulder started to grow. And I think that may have also, as you said, that made him think like, well, I need somebody in my corner. Because now, you know, when William and Harry were younger, their father's budget was split in half. And then William got married to Catherine. And now Catherine gets some of that budget too. So maybe Harry's chunk got a little bit less. And then William has kids and William's chunk of the money grows a little bit more and Harry stays the same. And so I think it's easy to start seeing where Harry might have been like, you know, like what's Where happening? Where am I in all of this? Exactly. Yeah. Like, how do I get Plus, my share? 
Yeah, plus the line of succession. He continues to move down the line of succession. Yep. Um, so he becomes less important in many ways to the firm because now he's seventh in line instead of, you know, third in line or whatever, fourth in yeah. line. And, and um, I mean, from a constitutional perspective, it's really interesting because actually his constitutional importance never changed. Um, William's children, although they're pushing him down the line of succession, Harry is still, still to this day, um, the person who would be their regent if something were to happen to William while his kids are still minors and if he were to be king at that point. Um, so constitutionally, it's very interesting because Harry's position in terms of constitutional importance and being the next oldest son of the king, the current king, has not shifted. Um, he still plays an incredibly important part in what could potentially happen. Um, but that said, like, you know, the older his brother gets and the older his father gets and the older his nieces and his niece and nephews get, it becomes unlikely that he would ever become regent. Um, <laughs> but it's still possible. Um, I don't really ever think he actually wanted to be regent. I think that he just wanted to be recognized. Yeah, um, no, I don't think he wanted to be re I mean, being regent would be a terrible thing, right? It means yeah. his brother. I, I don't think he wants to be king either. I don't actually don't believe that he wants to be king and take everything with it that means to be king. I just think it just seems like based on everything that I've read and seen and things that you've talked about, he just wants um, to be somebody in his own, in his own light, which is how, you know, what's happened has happened because it wasn't, it was more self-serving than it was service to others in some ways, if yeah. you know what I mean. I think that um, Harry's biggest thing through what we've seen over the course of time and especially the last three or four years. years now is he yeah. wants to be seen as an equal. And that goes back to forgetting that the family is different than the firm. His role in the firm like, he's not the senior executive vice president chairman of the board. <laughs> like, that's not his job. And he seems to forget that there is this requirement to separate your membership of being a member of the family, just the Windsor family, you know, same as any old family in the country, to a working member of the royal family, which is a company and the house of Windsor. He he wants to be equal. And it's it's just not possible really unfortunately well, for him and and now as we know he's destroyed that ability to have any equality in his own right and he has also learned that leaving the firm and then trying to you know solidify his own brand without their backing is almost impossible um, yeah and you know so there was a way he could have done it and he did it wrong there's a way they could have done it but we'll get into that <laughs> yeah. So I think that for this episode, this is where we're going to wrap up because then we have, we need to talk about Megan and her early years. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole, that's a whole nother, at least half a podcast. So I think we're going to wrap this up here, leaving it at the point where Harry is about to meet Megan. So roughly yep. what, five years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, is, that about, is that about right? Yep. Um, so we'll wrap that up and we thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, this is the brand breakdown. And in our next episode, we're going to kind of talk about Megan and her ascension to um, princess, I guess. Didn't she have that title for a while or doesn't um, she have that title? She's, she is the Duchess of Sussex. Technically she is princess Harry, 
Um, she's not a princess in her own right. And she will. Oh, that's right. Be. You'll have to break that down for us again later because I find that to be so strange. But right. So um, up next, we'll talk about um, Megan and the Duchess of Sussex and how she comes to um, take that title. But thanks very much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.